Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2006. I was running my agency. We were doing business for beauty clients, one of which came to us out of Chicago. Sean Tollerson lived in Chicago, but she was a VP of marketing for Columnar USA based out of Jacksonville, Florida. This is when my Chicago network started to grow. Soon after, I'd meet a young woman named Jetta Bates. Jetta was a consultant. At the time, she was doing work for Nielsen, you know, the big media company that tracks all of the ratings for television, radio, consumer buying, purchasing, all the things. Jetta was working with a woman named Robin Beeman. Robin had her own public relations and marketing agency, Beeman Incorporated. She had a storied, legendary past as she started at Harpo, you know, Oprah's studio from back in the day. Robin and I hit it off like gangbusters. Robin brought to us the Fashion Fair business. You remember Fashion Fair? Fashion Fair was a cosmetic company that was founded by the Johnson family in Chicago. You know, the Johnsons from Ebony Magazine. We did some projects for Fashion Fair, and along the way, Robin said she needed help on another account. That account would be Nielsen. In short order, I was on a plane to Chicago, and I met a woman named Cheryl Pearson McNeil. Cheryl was a diva. I would learn that some people were actually intimidated or afraid by Cheryl. But when I met Cheryl, even in her four-inch heels coming from behind that desk, dressed to a T, we got along. Cheryl and I saw eye to eye, and she wanted us to know that she was beginning to put together these reports for diverse segments for the first time. There would be an African-American report an Asian report, a Latino report, and it would track the spending and buying habits and media habits in these segments. Her name is Cheryl Grace today. She's since gotten married. She has her own gig. She's an entrepreneur. She's also PowerfulPenny.com. You're going to hear more about this because I invited Cheryl back. If you recall, Cheryl was one of four women involved in my series with Black Enterprise on being unapologetically you, authenticity in the workplace. I brought that to life here on the Culture Soup podcast in March as a series for Women's History Month. But today, our conversation shifts back to that report that she was producing back when I was 
running my agency and we first became Cheryl's PR support. Nine years later, those reports have expanded and they've become kind of the holy grail for corporate marketers who are serious about reaching multicultural audiences. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to reintroduce to you Cheryl Grace. She's Powerful Penny, and she's also Senior Vice President at Nielsen. How are you? I'm good. I'm actually great. I'm so sorry to keep you waiting. That's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to have back on my show, my friend, Cheryl Grace from Nielsen, Senior Vice President. And you know what? She's also PowerfulPenny.com. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Michelle. How are you? I am, I am good. I am great. I'm so glad to have you back. I'm so glad to be invited back. That's huge for me. So thank you for that. You know what? Mi casa is su casa. <laughs> so you are, you are welcome to come back anytime. Thank you, because I love being here. I love what you're doing. I love that you're celebrating year two. Well, this is the first year, and we're into year two, so yes, you're close. Two. Right. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that, and congratulations on all of your success. Thank you. I appreciate that. So you know what, Cheryl? How about we have a culture soup moment? Let's jump right in. All right. Let's go, girl. All right. So there was a little thing that happened just recently where the social media team over at Popeyes decided to kind of poke the bear. And when I say that, they got involved with Black Twitter. And you know what? Kudos to them because they hit a cultural passion point. And they started a bit of a culture war between the chicken sandwich makers, Chick-fil-A and Popeyes. And we saw how the influence of Black people on social media Primarily, because there were some other people too, but black yeah. culture drives pop culture, which your numbers taught us back in 2017. Yeah. We yeah. saw a whirlwind of activity on social. And when that sandwich finally dropped. Girl, could you find one anywhere? Look, I wasn't looking. I stayed out of that. <laughs> I I don't, I've never been to Popeye's before this whole campaign started. Yeah. And I literally wanted to see what the fuck was about and um and so i went to the to the first one that i saw that i could find sign handwritten sign on the monitor right sold out wow we're we're all sold out so and i understand that was and i live in a a, a community that's not all black Uh so that tells you the influence that the entire campaign had mm-hmm. across all demographics because it was sold out. I think I tried another, so a total of two locations, and they were sold out in both locations. Well, and it was for weeks, almost months, that this the sandwich yes. was not available. And I literally used this as an example to speak to the AMA in Wichita. Yes. And we were talking about how culture is so intricate to the way products and services are moved and cultural has an influence on things. And while Popeye's was genius for the cultural nuances that, you know, poked the bear and awakened black Twitter in a way that nobody's really been able to engage black Twitter that well before. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't quite ready for the impact 
They weren't ready we for had. us. They weren't ready they weren't for the ready. response. And that's something that was a problem to have, right? To um to have people going out on social media and saying, you know, I tried to go and, and give it a shot and they were sold out. Uh if 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 I had to have a problem, that would be a problem that I would want to have. Sure. But I think it is another example of how underestimated African-American consumers are when it comes to our purchasing power and, more importantly, our influence. We are so influential. And when we get to talking about things, and if we think it's hot and hip, Mm -hmm. it is hot and hip, (laughs) and the rest of the world wants to be a part of it as well. So I think that is a clear example of that, how something can go viral in a matter of days and have an an impact for a long period of time. The last time we saw that level of power were uh, the patty pies. Yes. Patty LaBelle's sweet potato pies back Thanksgiving a couple of years ago, right? Maybe four years ago. And it just, every time that happens, I just want to jump up and down and scream to brands, this is the power that I'm talking about. This is what I want you all to understand. That when you really capture the cultural nuances and the fun and the um, influential power that we have, when you get it right, we can be a power base for your brand. Totally. But unfortunately, a lot of brands don't get it right. Popeyes did it right this time. Yeah, they really did. And you know, it's interesting because sometimes I don't even think we understand the I think influence. we don't know. That's why I spend, um, I, I counted it up and I'm on the road 42 weeks out of 52 weeks a year. Oh, girl. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, it wasn't until I actually stopped and counted it up that yeah. I realized, okay, I'm, I'm gone a lot. But I do that because I think it's so important that consumers, whether they're African-Americans or whether they're um, brands, mm-hmm. I think it's important for them to understand all of this purchasing power that we bring to the table and how we're impacting, as African-American consumers, the U.S. economy. You know, so we've got $1.3 trillion of buying power. I talk about that all the time. I'm excited because, you know, Nielsen started touting those numbers in 2011 when we first did our very first State of the African-American Consumer Report. Mm -hmm. And so now I get excited every time I hear some other influencer or some other uh, person of power utilizing and sharing those numbers. I'm like, oh, yay, Yay. they're drinking the Kool-Aid. They understand, right? I got so much done in corporate America (laughs) with your numbers. Yay. Yes. That is great because I feel as if – you know, and there are times I do get tired, but I yeah. do feel as if over the course of the last eight or nine years since we released that first report, that more and more people who look like you and I are starting to talk about the power that we bring to the table. Right. And whether we're in corporate roles and we can share that with our our colleagues, our chief marketing officers, our CEOs, um, or if we just want to share it with Mama and Pookie and them. Either way, it's a win-win for us, for consumers and brands alike to understand what we bring to the table. And this year's report, one of the things that we did was we focused on 
what that path to purchase looks like. Mm, okay. I want to level set because everybody that's listening now wasn't listening in March when you were on the first time. So I need to reintroduce you. Can you give the people a little bit of context around what it is you do at Nielsen? Yes. So I'm the Senior Vice President of U.S. Strategic Community Alliance and Consumer Engagement. That's a really long way to say what I do is I make sure that brands and consumers um, and clients are very familiar with the purchasing habits and behaviors of multicultural consumers and women. So whether you're talking Asian Americans, Hispanics, African Americans, women, etc., Those are consumer segments that I really concentrate on and help spread a little bit of light about the power that these demographics bring to the table. And each year we do a series of reports. We call them our Diverse Insights Series. And each report is focused very specifically on a demographic segment, such as Blacks, African American Blacks and African Americans or Hispanics and um, Asian Americans. And so we released the African American report in September of this year. It was the eighth, ninth year that we've done this. Wow. And yeah. Time flies. Yeah. So I was really, really excited about that because originally I didn't have the support internally to do this report. Um, I had a manager who told me that brands weren't asking for it, that our clients weren't asking for oh. it. And so, yeah, we weren't going to do it oh, because of that. Well, and, well. So we, uh, we worked our way all around him. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, we did. And here we are. Yes. Nine years later. And so I, I believe for me, the importance is, like I just mentioned, that people are really starting to recognize what that power looks like, owning it mm-hmm. as consumers, and expecting brands to recognize it. Right, right. And what that means is, is that, you know, if we're spending so much time watching television, which we actually spend about 11 hours more as black people watching television than any other group of people, mm-hmm. then we kind of expect that brands are advertising to us in that same level. That's not always the case, and we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But our power runs the gamut from how much we're spending, $1.3 trillion, to how quickly our growth rate for that spending power outpaces the non-Hispanic white Mm -hmm. population. Mm -hmm. So I think the actual numbers are for the last year that when you look at how much money the African-American population spent versus how much the non-Hispanic white population spent, um, our numbers went and grew by about 118% compared compared to the non-Hispanic white population's uh, growth rate of about 87%. Let me ask you, let me stop you right there. Let me ask you something. Yes. Yes. Because there was a headline that said, that despite these numbers, I mean, that is astronomical. Advertisers still don't bet on the black dollar. Why is that? Can you believe it? What is the disconnect? So 
<clears throat> what we did this year, and I'm going to turn to this page in the report, but what we did this year was we actually, and we did this back in 2014 as well. So what we did this year was we took a look across all segments mm-hmm. to identify which brands are advertising with um, audiences that, or with mediums that have primarily African-American audiences. Okay. And so um, because we show earlier in the report all the time that we're spending on various platforms, you know, how much time we're spending on Facebook, how much time we're spending on Instagram. We spend uh, more time on Facebook as a whole. Mm-hmm. However, Instagram is where we light up. Oh, yes. And so we over-index. <laughs> We get our glow up on Instagram. Yes, we do, by about 45%. <laughs> so we're spending um, all that time on Instagram. 65% of us are found on Facebook. And um, 92% of us are listening to uh, radio every single week. 91% of us are watching television every single week. Right. Um, we're spending tons of time on our smartphones. Mm-hmm. And so you would think then that given the digital, the um, radio, the social media, the television platforms, that we would then be seeing some type of really high numbers when it comes to advertising. And that is not the case. And wow. so the numbers, actually, if I can find that page here, if I can actually share all of the numbers with you, show that there was a reduction, mm. not an increase but a reduction in how many dollars are being spent um, across syndicated television, um, spot radio, digital advertising. Um, I don't think there was a category of spin that increased between 2017 and 2018. They all decreased in spite of the fact that our time increased across all of those platforms. So I'm going to put on my marketing hat here and I'm going to raise some questions. All right. Do you believe that because the numbers across all of the segments have increased when it comes to multicultural, when you're looking at, say, millennials who are the most multicultural adult generation, and then you look at Gen Z, so... They are one in one in, in two babies born in, in 2012 were babies of color. That mm-hmm. as they go after these groups like millennials and centennials, that they are choosing not to lead black or spin black, but trying to get to this monolithic multicultural consumer. Um, yes. It's almost it harkens back to this total market thing. It almost is. And and so that's why I want to clarify, I'm not saying that we saw the drop in spend across multicultural, right. which is inclusive right. of Hispanics and Asian Americans and all the other demographics as well. We saw a drop in black wow. spending, wow. right? So um, a part of that problem is, I think it's twofold. Uh, number one is because we speak English. I was going to say language. Yeah. yeah, brands think that they don't have to target. That's so uh, unfortunate. Okay, can us. we peel back that onion for a second? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, you need only spend a little time just watching Black Twitter to know 
that our language isn't the nuance. It's not. But we. It's do a culture. Speak. It's, culture, it's a culture. It's a culture. Right. It's, it's totally that. And the, the other thing is, how 1970s can we really be? Well, that takes me to the second <laughs> issue. <laughs> because we're still in the advertising industry, very 1970s, mm. because that industry is not very diverse. Yeah. So only about 5% of workers in the advertising industry are African-Americans. Yeah. And then you take a look at how many of those are in senior level positions where you actually have a say-so on where the creatives are actually being placed. Mm-hmm. So I think they may be doing a great job or they think they're doing a great job at hiring black companies or black agencies to develop the creatives. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing some great work coming out creatively, but they're not being placed on platforms or channels or stations that have a predominantly African-American audience focus. Yes. So I mean, um, I they're not this. buying it. I yeah. witnessed this. This is part of the reason why I went forward with the inclusion marketing model because I understood that we were not in rooms where these decisions were being made. Exactly. So it's still, I don't think that there's been a lot of change between now and the 70s mm-hmm. in terms of how diverse that industry has looked. And there was a movement, I remember at least 10, 15 years ago, where the black agencies were trying to work with the um, national advertising councils to like get more people of color mm-hmm. working in the agencies. And, and still, it is a prevalent problem. I, I coach a lot of young and up-and-coming professional uh, women, and I hear all the time about how you know they feel isolated at agencies, mm-hmm. how they're watching their counterparts who they join the, the agency with get promoted, and they're not. So it's still a problem, and it yeah. shows up with the spin. Right. Interesting. So, you know, with the Me Too movement as well, and also, you know, this this women's movement that has really just kind of blossomed, people are beginning to see women as a segment. And the intersectionality of this group is ignored on many levels. So sometimes the spin is happening towards women in translation, white women. Have you seen that? Yeah, so that you know that's been going on for that's been going on for a minute as a well, minute. where mm-hmm. <laughs> where as part of the whole civil rights movement or the affirmative action movement, white women benefited from that, um, as as well as African Americans and and other people of color, but women like now when you're having these conversations about diversity. They want to always start with gender yes. and uh, and talk about, well, we hire and we have X, Y, Z number of senior level women on our team. So women always lead. When you talk about diversity, women lead that discussion. Well, and that's and let's kind be of unfortunate because, I mean, let's look at those numbers. Yes. 52% of the population is female. Right. So <clears> if you're just doing basic math, then, yeah, those numbers are going to look better. <laughs> Yes. Well, 
But unless you're talking just white women, right? Yes. Because then what you're also leaving off table is we're not getting hit once as black women. We're getting hit twice yes. being left out of the equation. This is so why Catalyst if, called us double outsiders. Yes. Yes. I call, um, I'm a twofer. I'm a yeah. black and I'm, I'm a woman. And, and so, you know, I get left out of some of those conversations because if a gender discussion is being had and they've hired a white woman, then, you know, I'm left out of that right. uh, equation. And then um, if they've decided they don't need a person of color because they've hired a woman, I'm left out of that conversation right. as well. Exactly. Oh, yeah. This is this is this is where we are. What do you think, Cheryl? Is there anything that we as professionals, whether we are running our own businesses or we're within corporate America, what kind of steps might we be able to take to impact this because it just seems it seems very one-sided, but it seems like the power is in our hands. So I think we do have more power than we give ourselves credit for. I think one of the ways to exercise that power is for us to not be afraid to speak up when we're sitting at the conference room tables, having those conversations, feeling courageous enough, empowered enough to speak up. If we know that there are agencies that are being vetted, for our company's uh, big projects, then we need to validate the uh, expertise that agencies of color are bringing to the table. We need not be afraid to kind of vouch for, speak up and sponsor, if you will, those diverse agencies. We need to help our younger professionals understand how important it is to speak up as well. Um, when you're up and coming in corporate America, you're young, you're sitting in those um, conference rooms, it can be incredibly intimidating to use your voice. And as senior women in positions of power, I think it's really important for us to encourage our younger women all the time to speak up to ask questions, act like you know, if you're sitting in the room, act like you know, you know, because confidence is an inside job. Oh, totally. And so sit like you know. Right. Speak up. Um, If you're not sure, wait until you get to a safe place and you can ask someone. Um, But if you are sure and confident and know what you know, You have to be able to speak up. And, you know, Michelle, it's really important because it's not – there are two things that happen, can't or won't, when it comes to whether – how a person is performing, right? Either they can't or they won't. Can't generally is they don't know any better, right? Won't they know better and they choose not to do it. But it can't is they just generally don't know better. So if there's a manager in the room who really does not have any idea about how um, a social media campaign can be influenced by an African-American celebrity and, you know, work across all types of verticals and all, 
across all different types of demographics to influence a whole slew of people. If they don't know that, if I'm the only black person in the room and I can share that information with them, then it's my responsibility to do that. Those are little things that we can do. Or maybe even pulling them off to the side. And because I like to think, and I, 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 um, I had a, a workshop, I keynoted um, a women's summit not too long ago, conference last week, actually. And it, one of the things that I talked about was have a meeting before the meeting. Yes. Line, so, stack that deck before yeah. you go in there. I, I mean, can yeah. we talk about this? Like, yeah. literally. <laughs> You have to yeah. have these meetings and get alignment before you walk in the room. Have that meeting. Say to the person that you think might be your ally, hey, I'm thinking about really advocating on behalf of this agency or on behalf of this person or on behalf of this project. Here's why. Lay out what your supporting facts look like. Um, so can you can I count on you to back me up? What do you think? Do you think this is a good idea? Do you not think it's a good idea? Know what that person thinks before you go into the room because you don't want them to shoot you down. Exactly. And you're like, oh, we were on the same team. You need to have that thing, clear all of that out before you get into the room so that there's another voice that is in support of what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. You know what? And you mentioned the agencies. I think sometimes we take for granted that many of these small businesses can just up and get a contract with the Fortune 10 when those things are so mammoth. Those companies are so mammoth. Get, they could literally kill a business in 45 days just oh, waiting absolutely. on a, a payment to come through. Holding up those, the payment of the invoices. Right. Absolutely. So one of and the you, things, again, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, that's, that's another mm -hmm. opportunity for you as an advocate on the inside to say, we don't have the luxury of holding back payment for 60, yeah. 90 days yeah. for these invoices. For these small companies, they need to be paid. And so, yes, I understand. We've done this before with our company. Yes, I understand that our policy is 60, 90 days. But for a small business, for multicultural businesses, let's turn that around to 30 days. And rules are made to be bent or molded to fit the need. Let me tell you one of the things that I did. I had one big mammoth white agency. Right. Mm -hmm. And they had some capabilities in the multicultural space, not every space, but where the holes were, we got some MBEs. We got agencies that were small businesses. Yeah. yeah. We actually allowed those businesses to subcontract to the white agency. And the reason wasn't because we wanted to put the white agency in charge. We knew that the white global agency had deeper pockets. So then. Yeah. We were going to have an event that required upfront payments. And we knew that our big company couldn't pay, you know, in 30 days. We couldn't turn it around. It's just impossible that we right. knew that that other agency, that global agency, could front the check. Right. And that's why we set it up that way. And there are little and things that, that you can do to be advocates <clears throat> for small yeah, business. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, a, that's an example of you exerting your power when you have a seat at the table. And it's, it's so when you're in a corporate role, you can do those types of things. When you're a consumer, you can ask 
um, whether or not before you spend your money, do some research on the company that you're about to spend your money with. You can ask whether or not the person hires people who look like you, or you can go into a brick and mortar, or you can call up and just find out, do they hire people who look like me? Do they promote um, content? that is positive about me. So whether or not you're talking about the commercials or whether you're talking about, if we're talking about a television program, um, am I a positive being portrayed positively on these, these television shows or not? Um, you know, you can ask if the company is supporting causes that are important to you, right? And if, you can find the product or services on networks that are owned by you or businesses in your neighborhood. So if you ask yourself those four questions and any or all of them is a no, then the fifth question you should be asking yourself is, do I still want to do business with this company? And, <clears throat> excuse me, as much as we think taking my little $20 here away or taking my little $5 away for a tube of lipstick or a tube of toothpaste isn't going to have an impact. Oh, it absolutely oh, okay. does. Okay, so let's flip this Popeye situation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for every chicken sandwich that we are buying, what if we did not? Exactly. What if we stopped? And those are the types of things. You know, I, had my, I have a 23-year-old son he went shopping last night. Now, since he was a little boy, I've been stressing the importance of understanding and owning your, your black power. And he had on a really uh, cute sweater. So I said, where'd you get that sweater? And he said, at, you know, he named the store. I'm not going to name the brand, but he named the store. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. I, did, did you just buy that? Said, I did. And I said, oh, I thought we weren't supposed to be shopping there because of bleep, 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 bleep. Right. And he was like, well, and he started justifying it. I said, oh, okay. So it's okay if I call you this name that was portrayed on one of the um, shirts that they had. And he was like, oh, mom, don't go there. Don't, oh, we're going there, son. Totally. We're going there. Totally. Because you had a chance to exercise your consumer power and you chose not to. I'm disappointed in that decision for you. Especially since mama he goes to, out to great lengths <laughs> to put these reports out for the last nine years. <laughs> hey, did you know who child you are? <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know what? This is a great opportunity to ask you about Powerful Penny. How's she doing? She's doing great. She is doing well. Um, PowerfulPenny.com is um, my lifestyle brand that I do on the side. And I uh, coach women, primarily women. There are men that want to be coached as well. So I don't turn anybody don't away. Turn away. I don't. I don't. How to get to their next level of best um, in six core areas. And the two that I'm finding that are really, really, really um, of importance to women would be careers, how to get to their next level of best in their careers, and their relationships. Mm. Oh, Lord, mm. how to get to those next level best That's in your relationships. That's a whole other show, and we're going to have to book that one. multi 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 by now. Um, all, all, all of these young women 
solve their uh, their relationship woes and whether or not they should stay with the man that they think they want to be with, but who isn't helping them achieve any of their goals uh, as it relates to relationships. Oh, no. Seems like you know? that and it, it, it You would think that it does. But you know what? There's like so many you... cultural norms out there that say dumb down your shine to keep a man. Let's just let's yeah, just so be real not, about it. That's not what I preach to my girls. My women. And <laughs> um because I've been there. Done there. And and just decided it's it's not a win win for me and it's not and a win win for may... him and he doesn't even know that. Well, you may love him, like him, love his dirty draws, but you should love and like your own yes. dirty draws even more. Keep it real. I love it. <laughs> Have fun. We do workshops on flirting, you know, how to carry yourself if you are being intentional about finding a person uh, um, to be in a committed monogamous relationship with and how you change your language when you made that uh, determination that that's what you want to be. So if you want to be with somebody, stop saying, girl, I'm not really looking right now. Or the Lord's going to send them for me when the time yeah, you're, is right. You're, owning, the time right. Is right. you're well, owning the opposite of what you want by speaking. Exactly. It. You're saying, exactly. You're not recognizing the law of attraction and, you know, and so I, I, I counsel a lot of women, some and the ages are ranging between 25 and 45, 50, where, and I find the older women are the ones who are saying, you know, well, you know, got to make it happen, girl, when it's right. And I'm like, Mm-mm, honey, you got to be intentional. I was intentional about yes, finding my look, husband. Uh, doesn't James say faith without <laughs> works is dead? Bling, bling. <laughs> the African proverb says, when you pray, move your feet. Move them. Move them. Move them quickly and move them in some yes. levels if you can. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, you know what? I have enjoyed this conversation so much, Cheryl, as I always do. Where can everybody find you online and follow you on social? So they can find me on LinkedIn at Cheryl Grace. They can find me on Instagram at Powerful underscore Penny, P-E-N-N-Y. Um, Facebook at Powerful Penny and uh, the website is PowerfulPenny.com. Awesome. Where can we find that awesome report? And so you have to get a copy of the report. It is free at Nielsen.com slash African-Americans. Nielsen.com. And Nielsen is N-I-E-L-S-E-N.com. Or even if you just type in Google Black Consumers, I'm pretty sure our, our reports pop up pretty, pretty quickly. That's awesome. And let me just reinforce the importance of this report, especially for you professional women out there. I have run into you all year long, and you've been saying, how do I make the case for diversity? And I tell you to skip the feel-good part, that it's the right thing to do, and get to the data. This is the data, people. This is the data right here. Go straight for the green. Yep. Because the only Go color the that matters is green. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's the only language they speak yes. is Greenglish. Yes, Greenglish. Greenglish. <laughs> Don't hear that? Greenglish. <laughs> Cheryl, you're amazing. 
Thank you so much for coming on the Culture Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, Michelle. Great luck to you. All right, hon. See you later. All right. Bye. You take care. Bye-bye. What an exciting conversation with Cheryl Grace, SVP, Nielsen, and Powerful Penny. It was also inspiring and empowering. Speaking of empowering, I have a birthday greeting today that is very, very special because this person empowered my career at a time where I absolutely needed it. I'm talking about the one, the only, Grammy Lifetime Achievement Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. (sighs) The second half of Run DMC. Well, I'd say the first half because he's run. Rev Run Joey Simmons. Happy birthday. Yay! It's your birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Y'all, he has been a quiet giant. He was very apparent in my campaigns at that Big Fortune 9, but behind the scenes, he and his team have always, always been behind me and pushing me to do more. Happy birthday, Rev Run. All right, everybody, I want to thank you for showing up for the premiere live edition of the Coaching Corner episode of the Culture Soup Podcast. Y'all are still watching it, too. If you haven't seen it on LinkedIn, you can go to YouTube, and it's there on my channel. Watch the whole thing. It's about 30 minutes long. And you know, I'm still deciding whether we're going to go week to week or every other week. Let me know what you think. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.